You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number one hundred and twenty-nine. We'll be discussing episode nine casting news and what we're seeing from Hasbro comics and books. I'm on your host Tim, and this week I'm joined by a very special guest, a great friend of the show, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth, one of the guys that was down at San Diego grinding on the floor from San Diego Sabers Radio Podcast, Steve Kirk. Welcome to the show, man. So, first of all, hello there. That's my <laughs> signature. But second of all, I think I have to say, in honor of Sanjay, I'm Steve. Oh, I love it. I love it. It makes me feel like I'm right at home. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you jumping on to the cast this week. The boys held it down last week talking DC and everything high level from San Diego Comic-Con with regards to trailers, some of the books that were released, and really focused on the DC end of things. So if you want to get that, go back and catch part one. But this episode is focused a bit more around the guys who are down there on the floor doing their thing in the trenches, and then going out and looking at some of the toys, books, and comics in a bit more detail that were announced from the Marvel and Star Wars parts of the universe. But before we get into any of that, Steve... You know, we do have a lot of crossover in our shows, in our listenerships with the Star Wars Commonwealth as well. But for listeners that don't know who you are, why don't you give yourself a bit of an introduction? You know, what you do down in San Diego, what are you, what's going on with the, the, the lightsaber doing and all that. Give people a little perception as to what you're all about. Yeah, so first and foremost, about two and a half years ago, we started an actual lightsaber combat group here in San Diego, and we've grown to be probably the biggest group in, in the area. And then after our first year, we said, what do we want to do different in year two? And one of the ideas was, let's start a podcast. Because who else talks about lightsaber combat on a podcast? I mean, plenty of Star Wars podcasts, but we, we thought, you know, you know we'll, we'll, we'll do this at least for our own group, for, for the team members that we have in San Diego Sabres. And in the year and a half we've been going, it's just grown monumentally like even you know a year ago when you guys in the commonwealth invited us to be part of the network we were just floored and humbled and we've got you know folks literally from all around the world listening to our crazy stuff every week not sure why yet but they do and we appreciate it because it's fantastic yeah that's why yeah we so we you know as a group we get together several times a week and practice real lightsaber combat and then we get on the air and we talk about that and star wars and the news and do reactions to the movies and the tv shows and it's kind of fun because we all have different points of view so we we kind of end up spanning the spectrum between i love this movie i hate this movie but we get to talk about it in a very respectful understanding manner and i don't want to say hopefully we help set an example but we can disagree but still respect each other and it's all good 
Yeah, that, that's one of the beauties of a lot of the podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth, or all of them, I should say, is that you, you can discuss things without fear of reprimand. You can have an opinion, and it may not align with everyone's opinion, but it's about that communal, let's discuss and enjoy Star Wars. Right. At the end of the day, we're still our, all Star Wars fans from whatever perspective or angle we're coming from, and that's really what matters in the end. Yeah. Now, you guys do, when like, you know, when you guys first came on was a year and a half ago into the network, my whole perception of what you did, I, I had no idea. And it's not even till within the last year when I started following your videos and all that and seeing what you guys do. It's pretty incredible. There's a video that you posted earlier this week with a mini tournament. Can you give a little insight in that? And we'll link it here in the show notes as well because I watched about, it's about an hour long. I watched about 45 mm-hmm. minutes of it last night and I loved it. Like, it's really cool to see that niche part of Star Wars presented in that format and kind of the passion you guys put into this and really the professionalism that goes behind what you do. Dude, I appreciate that. Like, we we take this really seriously, although at the same time still have a lot of fun with it. You can't take it so seriously that it, it you, you drain all the joy out of it. But we have so much fun with it where we we got together. You know, this was right around when... Uh, the the Force Awakens started. We said, we want to learn real lightsaber combat. And so me, Eric, and Robert kind of found each other. And we've put together this system. Eric has, you know, he's 25 years old and he has 18 years of experience in every type of swordplay you can imagine, like awesome. real world stuff. And we've developed it kind of what we call a true mixed martial art where we take aspects of kendo and wushu and karate and european sword play and fencing and you know every every type of of sword play basically that eric knows and integrate aspects to all that into the canon that we know as here's say in the jedi path book here's how form one should look like and we've translated that into real world mechanics based upon real world philosophies and approaches to turn it into something real for people. And so the the mini tournament we did last week, we had, I want to say, 16 of our fighters compete just at our, our Wednesday night practice session, and we ran it as a single elimination bracket as kind of a, a full sports type of event. And this time I actually brought out all my AV gear, and we recorded it, and I labbed up Eric so we could capture his judging calls, and we had a couple judges out there, and... And people had a lot of fun. It's compet. That's just it. It's competitive, but fun at the same time. Like nobody, nobody kind of ends up surviving if you take it too seriously. Yeah, we're all out here to have fun and bang lightsabers around. But at the same time, people do not only kind of progress in the art of sable martial arts, as we're calling it, but some of that stuff ends up going deeper into their lives as well, where We've seen people make changes, you know, from as little as, well, now I'm going to quit smoking because I'm getting serious about this. Yeah. So there's this holistic approach too, and now we're getting all touchy feely, but this really kind of has a, a fun, good, positive way of influencing people and improving people's lives. And, you know, at the same time, celebrating Star Wars and just having a lot of fun. Well, that's the best part of it. It's, it's a Star Wars club, if I can call it that. 
But cool. it's that, that sense of camaraderie you get. Not only are you doing something that's active, you're doing something that's really cool, and you're also bringing together like-minded people to have these type of discussions like you guys have every week on the podcast. You're absolutely right. I mean, we, we did a spotlight a couple weeks ago yes. on a guy that we who just achieved the rank of knight. And, you know, these people actually have to go through qualifying trials, and they're all very personal. So we're talking to him, and I asked him the question. I said, what's what's the number one thing you've gotten out of the San Diego Sabres in your time here? And right off the bat, he said, family. Yeah. Just like that. Didn't even have to think about it. No, that's in, that, that's the important part. And that's what you know we all try to do with these communities, whether it's podcasting, whether it's what you guys do or whatever. It, it's create a safe space where people can be themselves, come enjoy things, and like I said, do something active, and develop a family outside and, and within – a fandom within something that you have a passion for. Cause you look back even from, for myself three, four years ago, I didn't have anything like we have now as a group within the Commonwealth where I can jump on any time of the day and throw out a question or discuss star Wars. And that's just kind of that camaraderie that, that comes with finding the right people, finding those like-minded people. And I'm really, really stoked that you guys have that down there. And I'd love to see more of that elsewhere. Cause it, it's something that's, it's hard to appreciate until you see it firsthand, I think. No, you're absolutely right in that, yeah, I, I think this is what makes all of our shows really good and useful towards the community is we're kind of, we're kind of setting an example. We can't make other people change, but we what we can do is say, here's how we think is a good way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And all the shows, you know, they're so positive and we've built such a great community around everything that we all do that um, I just kind of want to say it's hard not to see us succeeding in all this. And I think we, we have been and we are and we will continue to. Yeah, and it's a ton of fun. So if you guys aren't listening to Steve and what they're doing at San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast, make sure to jump into that show. Every Monday you have a release. It's a go-to. It's a must-listen for me. And with that, you know, Steve, thank you again for being on the show, but we're going to jump into some news right now, man. It's time to get into the main Nerd Room podcast here. And the first thing before we get into anything related to San Diego Comic-Con is we've had a massive announcement that's come out of StarWars.com this past week. And it's the announcement of Episode 9. Not the title, but the casting news and the acknowledgement when they're going to start filming this at London's Pinewood Studios. This is being helmed again by J.J. Abrams. This is the final installment of the Skywalker saga. So this is pretty big. That was actually revealed right here on StarWars.com. And they're starting filming this on August 1st, 2018. So... All the cast here, we're going to have a lot to talk about going forward. But first, before we get into even the cast announcements, I got to I got to get your thoughts here, Steve, about this being the final installment of the Skywalker saga. We're going to be wrapping up this nine-episode series and seeing the end to this big, long-form story that we've had put in front of us for the last 40 years. What are your thoughts on that reveal there? You know, this is going to sound weird, but I'm kind of excited about it. Everything, every story needs to eventually come to a close so that you can move on with developing the further universe. If you, if you sat here kind of on, on the flip side and said, let's keep talking about this, the Skywalker saga for another five films, you're really going to kind of, it's going to feel like you're squeezing blood from a rock. There's kind of only so much you can tell. 
And we do want to know more. We want new characters. We want new planets and experiences. So I'm excited to see what JJ and Chris Terrio yes. have written and put together for us in a really strong way to close out this this chapter, if you will. I'm really optimistic. I mean, with with letting uh, Trevorrow go and bringing JJ back in, I have a pretty strong sense of optimism about how JJ is really going to treat this with a lot of love and respect, close this out property and leave us in a really good place and ready for so much more. Cause we've, we've probably got 10 or 15 years of stuff on the roadmap oh, yeah. that we know about, not, not to mention what they haven't even announced. Yeah. Which so is there's wild. so much to look forward to. And this is a, this is a great way to kind of move in. It's almost like the MCU. We're moving into a new phase. Yeah. Yeah, that next step. I couldn't agree with you more here. That The fact that this is closing out this saga, this is going to breathe, I think, a bit of fresh air into the franchise itself, is that we're going to get a proper conclusion here, and we're going to move on. This story is going to be solidified. But you know, we always have to remember, there's going to be the comic books. There's going to be books. We're never going to move away from the saga itself, only in film. We're going to see, I think, and continue to see this timeline or this piece of the timeline filled out by different types of media, just not in the film universe. But J.J. Abrams coming back and do this. Now, he's a nostalgia guy. You know, I said when we, we talked month or years ago about the force awakens is that this is the guy that you need to bring in to make you feel like what you felt like when you watched the original trilogy he has a real tendency to really throw back to the that 80s that 70s he has the ability to draw you in in a very special way with the way he develops a story with the way he, way he even shoots a story so i'm really excited to have him close this out because i feel like he's gonna go a little bit more towards what maybe we felt the last Jedi should have been, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been watching the last Jedi almost in a continuous loop for the last three, four days. I love it every time, every, every more and more, every time I watch it, but bringing JJ Abrams here at the end, I think this was a right move to kind of close this out, give us that ending. And I think he's the guy to kind of take this across the finish line. Like you said, like Marvel, we're going to step into something different, a new phase of star Wars. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, just can't think of anybody else I would really feel comfortable with doing this final episode. No, yeah, I agree. It's great. And, you know, returning to the film, to episode nine, a lot of familiar faces. And of course, you know, we saw the way The Last Jedi ended and Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Lupita Nyong'o. So we're going to see a little bit more of Maz Katana probably. Don Gleason, Kelly Marie Trans coming back, which is great. Billy Lord. So this cast is, is filled out quite nicely. But the big news here is who's joining them. We've got Richard E. Grant. we got Carrie Russell was joined there. Um, we've got Naomi Aki, which is great. And then returning veterans, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, and the confirmation that Billy D. Williams will reprise his role of Lando Calrissian. Now, there's one more big announcement here that comes with this cast, and it's the fact that the role of Leia will once again be played by Carrie Fisher. So they stated right out the gate after her passing that they were not going to do any recasting or 
CGI the same way they'd used it in Rogue One. Now, this was a big statement coming from Disney from Lucasfilm because they may have painted themselves into somewhat of a corner, but they seemingly stuck to that, and it looks like Abrams is going to use footage that was shot from The Force Awakens to give her a proper ending. You know, we've been banging on about this since her passing, since her tragic passing, about how are they going to finish the story, honor Carrie, honor the the character of Leia and do it with the support of her family and give her that send off. Now I'm quite excited about this, but how do you feel about kind of the new cast coming in here and Leia being, or the character of Leia getting a proper or JJ Abrams using that footage to give her a proper ending? I think it's the most respectful thing he could have done. Yeah. You could almost say I wouldn't, necessarily blame Disney even after the announcement of of they're not going to recast and they're not going to CGI her to come back with a statement that started out with the words after careful consideration I wouldn't necessarily blame them if they did it in such a way that it closed out the story properly but JJ came in and said we have some footage that wasn't used in TFA that we can use to wrap up the story and when I first read that announcement, I kind of, I honestly kind of felt like there was a weight lifted off my heart. Yeah. It felt like this was, this was something none of us knew existed. This feels good. This feels right. He's come in. Everybody at, at Lucasfilm and Disney surely has signed off on the story concept at this point. So everybody there feels good about it. And after some of the devices niffs of, the last Jedi, they're probably going to be a little bit more conservative about how to treat that storyline. So I feel really good that this is the right step to take. Yeah. And I love the fact that it's Abrams using footage that he shot with Carrie Fisher. I think that's an important thing to note because it's not another director using archival footage from another movie. So he has an idea about how those scenes were presented originally because he directed that. He directed Carrie in those scenes. So being able to take what he had done and reapply it in episode nine is really important. So you have that continuum of a director, continuum of someone that was telling a story along with Carrie Fisher to bring that back into episode nine. I'm really looking forward to this. I feel uh, we we were all just left with a sense of anxiety about how are they going to do this? Yeah. And now we have some sense of it. And I, like I said, I just, I feel so much more at ease at this point. Yeah. Now, what about Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, and Billy D. Williams? You know, we speculated as a group a couple of weeks ago with some of the rumors going around that Billy D. was coming back to the role of Lando Calrissian. You happy to see him back? You happy to see Mark Hamill essentially getting confirmed as a Force ghost? You know, that one, I, I almost go, okay, great, thanks. We already yeah. kind of figured that <laughs> out. Fantastic. Great. Okay, great. We can move on. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, Billy D. coming back. I'm curious to see how that's going to work. I mean, nobody else can play Lando, so duh. But at the same time, you know, there there are kind of some conversations going on about, well, did they bring him back because Carrie passed away? And this is kind of a part of, call it plan B in terms of the story. Are they? But it could very easily work real well into the existing storyline that Ryan left us with, where hey, she sent out a call, nobody answered, but Lando maybe couldn't pick up the phone at the moment, and everything in Star Wars takes Star Wars time, so nothing, you know, 
makes a whole lot of sense yeah. <laughs> in terms of timing. So if he comes back and jumps in and says, hey, of course, I'm I'm here to help you. I mean, I was at yours and Han's wedding and you know, help raise Ben Solo and, you know, all these. It, it, it doesn't feel like a stretch to make him fit into the storyline. So I'm always happy to see Billy D come back and play Lando. I, they're just nothing makes me sad about that in any way. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. You're wrapping up this Skywalker saga. You know, this is a f- one of the few characters that we really haven't heard even a mention of in the film portion of it. Yeah, there's some books that go on from the the character that was portrayed in Solo and all that. They get some ideas of him from the Aftermath books as well. But I think it'll be a fitting ending to have that character placed in this film as you're trying to wrap this up, this Skywalker saga. We need to understand where he's at, where he's been. And I'm not sure about how big of a role he's going to have. Is it going to be a glorified cameo? Is he going to be there for, say, a Leia funeral? Is he going to reprise that role of general in the new rebellion who knows but like you said maybe he originally was slated to come back in a cameo but maybe because of the passing of carrie maybe that has shifted to a much larger role within this film so i'm really looking forward to seeing him come back and you know given that we just got lando and solo i think that's kind of a nice continuum piece between those two films to have lando show back up and potentially and i really i really believe this get an end to his character as well. Kind of something that gives us kind of that, that end mark in Lando's story. Yeah. The, the one thing that kind of tugs at my heart is when you end a saga like this, you, you may have to see the demise of some key characters Mm -hmm. and we've already seen it with Han and we know Leia's going to have to be written out of the story now with Lon, with Lando coming back and they've, it's been enough of a big deal that, to me, it just says it's more than just a cameo at this yeah. point. If it were just a cameo, they could have kept it secret the way they kept Maul secret at the end of Solo. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, so feels like it's a bigger role. But then you think, wow, are we going to see the end of Lando? Could he make a reference back to Solo? And you know, maybe there's a reference to L3. Do Chewie and Lando pilot the Falcon? Do we see the Falcon destroyed? Yeah, well, that's... I mean, that would... Oh, man, just there, the possibilities of of how to end some of these story arcs are, you know, almost bring tears to my eyes just thinking about it. But again, the story does have to conclude, so I'm glad to see Lando. I'm glad to see Luke coming back as a Force ghost. It, this could be a really emotional movie. I, I really do think it is. And J.J. Abrams, like I said, with the nostalgia, the way he's able to make you feel in a film, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of that. And, you know, some of the big things, too, coming here, we've, we've got the, the returning cast from the original trilogy, from this new trilogy as well. And we've got some newcomers. We've got Naomi, Naomi Aki, Richard E. Grant, and Carrie Russell. Now, this is kind of, it's quite a diverse group that's coming in here. Any ideas as to who they could be playing, what they could be playing, First Order, Rebellion, Resistance, or whatever we're calling it now? Um, let's take a poke first at Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, this, I mean, this is going to keep people talking for the next year and a half. We just don't know. She's she's not named in the credits yet. We have no idea. They've talked about maybe she'll be doing some, some heavy action stuff. So my thought, I guess I guess if I were to put a bet on it, she's probably go- I would think she's going to be on the rebellion yeah. slash resistance side of things. There. It makes sense. And you look at what she's done. She has some pedigree to her, but she's not a household name. 
but we've seen her do some some pretty good work. So I'm I'm kind of really intrigued to see what she's going to do. Now, Richard E. Grant has been around for many, many years. And to some extent, you could stereotype and go, well, he's got a British accent, so of course he's going to be first order. That's where my mind went. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you, know, you also look at the types of characters he's played. It just makes sense. He's not going to be a resistance character, I don't believe. I could be wrong. That's fair. But he just – he screams first order to me somehow. Yeah. And I think they need to bring someone in to – Make I don't know because I get this feeling kind of just from the Last Jedi with Kylo with General Hux that they need someone mm-hmm. above them like they need someone with a bit of prowess to him and Richard E. Grant could really bring that so I I have a really hard time believing and you know this is something that has been alluded to in the aftermath books we've seen it in the Force Awakens that General Hux is the big guy but outside of Snoke, but I'd like to believe there's someone else sitting up there because that's one thing The Last Jedi left us without is a is a true, like, Tarkin-like character, I would say. And that's kind of a bit more what I'm craving from the First Order is that I'm looking for someone to be a bit more villainous here because Kylo kind of wavers on that, and the way that Hux was portrayed, I find him a bit weak to be, say, the main antagonist outside of just the First Order in Episode Nine. No, I'm I'm with you. If you think about the upbringing of Armitage Hux, of, of General Hux, and, mm-hmm. and he's got – I always end up going back to psychology. He has a lot of childhood issues, oh, yeah. which essentially, you know, from a writing point of view, those things are going to weigh him down and keep him from being that number one guy that you want to see. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. His His issues are going to get in the way. And prevent him from taking that final step. Richard E. Grant could come in. He could come in as a new big bad somehow, at least in the military structure. He could be somebody that teams up with Hux, maybe, mm-hmm. and let kind of is used as a wedge between Hux and Kylo in some way to drive the story and that conflict. And and he's really, really good at that type of acting yeah, and those types of roles. So he intrigues me. Like he just he just brought the movie up a bit from a supporting actor yeah. point of view. So I, I'm I, I'm really happy with that decision. I fully agree. Now Naomi Aki, I'm not too familiar with her filmography, um, but I'm excited to see what she can do in this. She again feels a bit more like a rebellion or a resistance person, mm, and mm. I'm excited to see how they again take these very strong woman characters and present them out. I wrote an article not too long ago on sourcecommonwealth.com about the need for women and strong women to be in these films because for the first time in my life, I'm seeing how my daughter reacts to things. My daughter's she's quite mm, young mm. still, but she needs a strong female character in a film to connect with it. I tried showing her some rebel stuff and all that without kind of that idea that she needs a female character and Hera was her way in Sabine was her way in but the first episodes I showed her were really focused around Kanan and Ezra she had no interest mm. until mm. she found out about these female characters and I've really kept a close eye on that with what she connects with going forward so I'm excited that they have two great actresses here like Carrie Russell and Naomi Aki along with you know the returning Kelly Marie Tran Lupita Nyong'o Daisy Ridley so Billy Lord as well like this is a strong cast, and I'm quite excited about the new additions here. No, you're you're spot on there. And if you if you really go back, is in A New Hope, 
we started this entire journey with a strong female yes. lead. And that's been so, Carrie Fisher slash Leia Organa has been such a pivotal key role throughout the entire franchise for 40 some years now that you almost have to keep that going, not from a sense of tradition or or duty to the past, but it resonates. We had such a great balance between those strong, all the strong characters in A New Hope that to move forward without a good balance where you have, sure, you can have strong male characters, but also have those strong female characters and balance this out. This is a universe where sex and age and race and species don't matter. Exactly. So keep that story going and Ray has that potential. Hera really showed that to us in in Rebels. And so yeah, I'm I'm going to be really interested to see what Carrie Russell can do. Naomi Aki, I tried to do some research on. She doesn't have a strong background. She is a relative newcomer almost to the industry. So to get a role in Star Wars, somebody saw something really good yeah. in her. And same thing with Daisy Ridley, you know, she didn't have a huge filmography as well. And she's leading this franchise. And, you know, with the way that they're ending the Skywalker saga, I don't think we're going to see the, the end of Daisy Ridley, that John Boyega, in Star Wars. Even Oscar Isaac. I have a question about Adam Driver and Kylo Ren because that would really be ending the Skywalker saga because he is really that last of that bloodline. But right. I'm excited to see what Episode Nine turns out. This is our first big piece of news. And it's something that we can salivate over here for the next couple of weeks, give us some content to discuss and really speculate as to what we're going to see. This is really kind of the start of the episode nine discussions with some real meat, with something from Star Wars, from Lucasfilm for us to discuss. And I, I can't wait to see more of it because August 1st is only a couple of days away, man. And, you know, what comes with that? set photos, leaks, all this kind of stuff for us to discuss and really, really dive into. It's it's a long ways away before we get this film, but I'm excited just by this announcement. It, it's fantastic stuff. It really is. Now, let me, let me tease you with a possibility here. Now, with the Ryan Johnson trilogy, he's talked about it's going to be characters and places we've never seen before. So I don't see Ray continuing in that saga. No. But... Benioff and Weiss are going to do a series of films. We have no idea what they are, except apparently not The Old Republic, sadly enough. But imagine Benioff and Weiss doing a movie with a strong Ray character. And think about what they've done in Game of Thrones. There's some really strong yep. female characters there. This could be amazing. Yeah, it could be fantastic. They could take this into the new Jedi Order and really just follow the adventures of the character of Rey. Like, that could be incredible. Just a series of films focusing in down on her story. Like, I love that, man. That, that's 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 got the wheels turning. It does, yeah. It's just, it really, like I said, all these possibilities get me really excited about the future of the franchise here. Yeah, it's, it's really great stuff. And last thing, before we jump to the San Diego Comic-Con talk here, John Williams will be scoring this as well. So he scored every saga film from 1977's A New Hope, and he's going to end this saga, the Skywalker saga, by scoring this as well, which is going to be absolutely fantastic to see him close out this thing from a musical perspective. Now, Tim, have you ever seen John Williams live in person? I have not. I have only seen the London Symphony Orchestra perform the star wars series but not him he wasn't the whatever he was wasn't doing the main composing 
if you ever get the chance, drop everything, pay whatever you have to pay and go see it. It's just, I've seen him live twice at the Hollywood Bowl directing the L.A. Philharmonic, doing all his movie music, including lots and lots of Star Wars. Nice. And I, it's so emotional and impactful. I can't not cry when I listen to that stuff live. He's, he's getting up there, so it's something that i got to really get on. <laughs> he is, and that's why I, I keep a look for look out for anything he's doing. And if there's tickets in the area, it's like I, I – I'm happy I've got to see him twice. If I can see him a third time, I'm a lucky man. But exactly to your point, like I don't I would not expect him to score anything beyond episode nine for the rest of the franchise. No. He's just I know he loves it. It's so much work. And, and like you said, he's just getting up there and it's getting harder and harder for him to do. Yeah. And we've seen that with these these solo films as well. These standalone films is that they've kind of let other people score those. And I felt the scores in, in both of those films were quite strong as well. So they're always going to take cues from what John Williams has done. They're going to mm -hmm. use kind of the environment that he's created with regards to the score and just develop or put their own tweaks on this thing. But he's created the foundation for the series and that isn't going to change. I don't think. You're right. It, it, he's created a legend in terms of music that will never go away. Even if they, you know, go in completely different directions, you know, 20 years from now, the basis of all this will be the work that he's done that none of us will ever forget in our lifetime. No, never. It, it's such an important piece of Star Wars, even going to Star Wars Rebels. It, it's some of my favorite parts is the score because they've been able, I think mm -hmm. it's Chris Klein that does it. He's been able to tie in pieces from John Williams, but also put his own spin on things. And it's just yeah. fantastic stuff. You can't have stars without that music. It, it yeah, goes hand it, in hand. If it doesn't start making your heart race and your eyes tear up, yeah, yeah, then you're not listening to it closely enough. Exactly. All right, let, let's move on to some San Diego Comic-Con discussion. Now, like I said earlier on the podcast here, the boys, Troy and Sanjay, they did part one of this episode last week, and they discussed things like Aquaman, Clone Wars Saved, Shazam trailers, and a few of the DC comic book and action figure reveal so if that's what you're looking for just head back one episode to episode 128 and get your fill there because this week steve and i we're going to run through some of his general reactions thoughts and experiences from being on the floor at san diego comic-con as well as jump into some of the hasbro reveals and really some of the comics and books some of the big comics and books that were revealed at San Diego Comic-Con as well. And with that being said, Steve, you're on the floor, you live down in San Diego, you have access to this, which is absolutely brilliant. I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con, but I gotta hear your kind of general reactions to 2018's Nexus of Nerd. How were your experiences on the floor? How many, what panels did you go to? What are your overall general thoughts about the con this year? Oh, you know, it was fine. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, this was a lot better, you know, in terms of energy and vibe and even execution. 2018 was a much better San Diego Comic Con than 2017 was. 2017, you you heard a lot of grumbling about lines and it just became, you know, we, we, we saw hashtag line con start to trend a little <laughs> bit. And, you know, I, I have friends personally who, you know, last year stood or sat and or slept 
slept in line for 36 hours to get into the Hall H panels. Oh, brutal. And that's, that's just incredible to, to me. You didn't hear any of that grumbling this year. There was still lines for Hall H, but this kind of gets into, well, Disney wasn't there. Marvel really didn't have anything. So things weren't maybe as big from a panel perspective yeah. this year. But that said, there was there were still things that they did to improve the exhibits floor as well. So folks like Hasbro and Funko did a lottery system for getting into their booths to buy things at specific times. And you can argue the merits all you like, but what I think what's really great about this, and I'm positive about this whole trend because I won a lottery slot, so I got to buy some stuff. Um, <laughs> For me. <laughs> but exactly. Is instead of going to the show and, ho and standing in line and hoping and, ha and setting your expectations that you hope to get in there and, and whatnot, with the lottery system, you know ahead of time if you're getting into the booth or not. So before you land on the ground, you know you do or don't have a slot to get into this booth to buy that exclusive merchandise. And so I think the lottery system helps set those expectations, which whether you get in or not, now you know and as a result, you can go plan the rest of your day or several days better, and you feel happy. It's a more positive experience that way, is because is you've you've already you know yes or no, and so there's no sitting there going, I want to wait in line for eight hours and hope I get in, and then be really mad and upset because you didn't. Well, yeah. now you do. So it was it was really great. I, I don't know how I lucked out. I got the first slot on preview night. Yeah, brilliant. With, with Funko. So I was like, well, if I wasn't going to go to Comic-Con before I am now, just because I got this, I, you don't turn down that slot. Oh, my God. So, and if anyone hasn't gone and is thinking of going, get the preview night ticket. It's such a great thing if you want to go buy merchandise and look at the booze and see everything. While maybe 70 or 80% of, of the people are still there, it's at least a smaller crowd yeah. And you can get in and get some of the stuff in, you know, this window before everything sells out. So there's there's a bit more opportunity. So if you're into collecting, if you're always on the hunt, that is like the great night to go and get in there and see the stuff. And and it really spins you up like the energy's there. The exhibitors are excited. It, it was just such a fantastic time. Even if it's only open for three hours, it's the best. It's almost the best three hours of the entire four and a half day show. Yeah. And having that condensed crowd seems to be the way to go. Now, I've never, like I said, never been to a con of this scale. I've never even been anywhere where you are getting exclusives the way that you guys do or that you guys did down there. So mm. watching this and consuming this from a distance, even for me, I felt that this was much better run. I didn't feel that same anxiety for the people down there because I didn't see the lines. Marvel didn't have a big presence as far as the film universe goes, and Star Wars mm. itself didn't have a big presence with regards to the film. So those panels were missing, but there were still really big reveals. And hearing you explain the fact that yeah, there was the ability to maneuver around the floor a bit better. You had your tickets. You had that idea that you're going to get a certain collectible. Because even Rob Cast, he was able to get me the Dr. Aphra set where you were able to get me the Iron Man Mark I 10th Anniversary Funko Pop, which I got a 
huge show and thank you for that like amazing uh, oh uh, my pleasure man at least i could do yeah because it's when you turn to ebay and all that for these exclusive con funkos or action figures or whatever you're paying three four five times the price for them and i just won't pay that so one thing that i always say about my collection is that i want a story that goes behind each piece i want to have something that connects me to it i don't want to just blindly collect things so getting that from you getting that from rob cast the afra set it means the absolute world to me because now i can put that on a shelf and i can say look my buddy Steve Kirk, he got this, San Diego Comic-Con 2018, there's a story behind it. You know, you just kind of explained how you did it, how you got it, the Thursday preview night show. So there's something big behind that. And me as a collector, I look for a lot more of that, that nostalgia that thing or that piece is going to draw me towards fandom. I'm going to draw me towards collecting in a way that it actually means something. I'm not just picking up plastic for the sake of it. So yeah, huge shout out to both yourself and Rob Casper getting on that floor and grinding away. Yeah, even, you know, one of the other exclusives that I really wanted out of this year was the Thrawn Alliances book, yes. right? And so because of preview night, they had plenty of copies. It was no problem. And, and they were allocating a certain number of copies every day. So every day you could pick some up. And so I think I picked up my copy about 8.30 on Wednesday night, about half an hour before the show was supposed to close on preview night. And I could still get a hard copy, no problem. They were they had already sold out of the audiobook. So oh, okay, well that's fine, bummer, but I still get the hard co- the hardcover. Fantastic. The next couple days I went back to see if I could get more, because I'm a bad man. Um, but by the time I got they'd sold out of all their copies within the first hour every day. Wow. So again, Great benefit of preview night is you can get in there, less people. There's more of a chance to to get those things that you want before they sell out, whether it's in total or just for their allocation for that day. So I, I it's like I said, it was such a better run show this year. And it, it, so much so much props to them for really listening to the fans and the audience saying they, they need something better. So I, I got to give them credit for that. That's awesome to hear. Now you already buzzed through that Throne Alliances book. Quick, quick mini review here. Big recommend. How how's it compared to the first Throne book by Timothy Zahn? It's different, right? So it's just a different approach. So it's they're kind of apples and oranges that way. Still fantastic writing from Timothy Zahn. So in the end, absolutely recommend it. It gives you some really interesting backstory. Uh, we already knew that. Thrawn had met Anakin yeah. in the past. Yeah, from the and this Thrawn gives book. you that story. It gives you the in-depth story of that, as well as stuff happening more in, in present time. And the way he kind of intermixes the flash-forwards, flashbacks, and how this blends the stories together at just the right point so everything makes sense in the moment was, I mean, that's that's hard to do. And he did it really, really well. And you, so you got to know Thrawn better. You got to know Anakin better. Anything that fills in background is, you know, especially for the key characters, obviously fantastic. So I really, really enjoyed it and highly recommend it to anyone. Awesome. I got my copy waiting for me at home right now. We're on pre-order. 
waiting to ship. I'm just going to push the button here and I'll probably do audiobook after reading it as well because I love the presentation that they do with the audiobooks from the Star Wars universe as well. So I'm a big Thrawn fan. I loved him in Rebels. I loved him from the original Thrawn run or the Thrawn trilogy from Timothy Zahn from the early 90s. And I really enjoyed the, the new Thrawn book as well. And I got the action figure. It's kind of somewhat of a bit of a focus for me. So I'm excited to mm. jump into that book. And I'm happy you got that exclusive because I do know a lot of people are chasing that. That was a big thing for this con. Yeah, I mean the the exclusive part of it really was just kind of the the art cover yep. where it was Anakin's uh, Vader, but so nicely done. And and as an exclusive, it was signed by Timothy Zahn, so it goes in my bookshelf with the other exclusives I got last year and and at Celebration. So it's again, it's kind of there's a story behind it, so it feels a little special. Where you know somebody else looking at my bookshelf will go, oh look, a book. Yeah. Well, and that's what I said. It's part of your collection. It has a connection to something, to something bigger. And I think even if just you appreciate that, that, that's the important piece of collecting. Now, just for some perception, Steve, I, I know you're not 100% the way that the boys over at the Nerd Room are into collecting, but how, how do you collect? Do you collect action figures? Are you into the Funkos? Like, what do you, what's kind of your niche there outside of, you know, your lightsaber hilts and all that? You know, this is all due to the nerd room, I have to say, <laughs> is you guys have piqued my collecting interest. And so I I do have a small wall full of Funkos nice. at this point. I, I only own one Black Series figure. Is It's a, um, from Return of the Jedi, the biker scout on his bike. Oh, that was a nice piece. That was early on it, too. It's, it's very nice. Yeah, I I forget where I found it. I found it on sale somewhere. It was Target, like Target. Yeah. No, it was somewhere online. I I don't remember. Um, but it was just it was an incurable price. I'm like, oh, that's a good. That's you know, I've never bought a Black Series before, and I really like that one. So it it sits here in a place of pride. But the other, not to distract too far, but I've kind of figured if I'm gonna get into it, I'm gonna get the really good stuff. So. Sideshow is kind of a bookmark of mine, <laughs> and I would say probably half or three quarters of the photos I took at Comic Con was everything from the Sideshow booth, whether it was Star Wars or all the Marvel stuff or the DC stuff. It's just such incredible. I mean, it's significantly more expensive, but um, that's where my eye has been. I've I've actually got the six scale. Uh, sideshow kind of middle-aged Obi-Wan Kenobi that's supposed to come out, I think, in November. I've got him on pre-order, so I'm really excited. I got to see him in the booth. I'm like, oh, my God, this is what I'm going to have. This is phenomenal. Oh, that's so awesome. How was it on the floor seeing the action figures? Because as the con goes on, the periodic release kind of what's coming out, what's next, and then you go to the panel, they reveal a whole bunch more, you see those action figures on the floor for the first time, and they had that big display, that solo display as well, the Black Series from the Hasbro booth and the Star Wars side of things. Mm -hmm. How is it seeing everything kind of firsthand? You know, Rob cast through a great video up of everything, and I'm so jealous that you guys got to see that. It, it must have been pretty cool. I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but this is where Preview Night is mm, so nice. magnificent for that. Because I, I went back to the booths later on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it's so many more people that it actually gets harder to get good looks at things, right? Yeah. It's just so, so crowded. So we did get the opportunity to see stuff, and there's 
there's something about, you know, being there with other fans who are so excited about this and, and you're all kind of feeding off each other's energy, just looking at the stuff that's behind the glass and just you're, you're almost mesmerized by the detail and the quality of all the stuff that's coming out. And man, it's, it's hard to find anything to compare it to, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm glued to my computer screen, like a goofball, like a kid in a candy store, looking through the glass images that you guys are taking, drooling over this stuff. Because like, as you guys know, the listen, I'm a huge black series collector. I love every aspect mm-hmm. of collecting Star Wars. But some of the stuff that revealing this this week is or last week is absolutely incredible. Now, just starting with the exclusives, we talked a bit about the after set that Rob Cass was able to grab for myself, Kyle mm-hmm. and Corey from Tumbling Saber. And so pretty excited about that. It had a hefty price tag at about 49 US dollars, which is is quite high for three, three, three quarter inch action figures, but just the packaging alone, absolutely incredible. And I'm a huge fan of the, the comic series as well. So it's pretty excited to get my hands on that. But there's also some new interesting aspects from the exclusives on the Black Series. There's a centerpiece Ray and Kylo on Starkiller base. This is almost a set piece. And this is something new that Hasbro has been doing over the last like three, four years is that they've been presenting Star Wars action figures in a way that they're meant to be kept in box. They know a lot of stores collectors are in box collectors and they've really focused in on that with the black series. Now I sent you over a picture here of this Ray and Kylo, this exclusive. It was about 110 US dollars, which is a huge price tag. It's not something that I would ever buy because it's just too expensive, but it looks pretty cool. The only thing is it is reusing characters that we've seen before. I believe we have both of these characters individually packed with these ice sculptures at their feet. They've just combined them together and created a bigger exclusive. Which I've heard some some kind of complaining out there about certain characters either within Marvel or Star Wars where they just seem to be repacks yep. of previous edition figures. But what gets me what gets me thinking about these set pieces is, yeah, they look fantastic in the box. And if you're an inbox collector, you put this on your mantle and it's going to stay there and, and be pristine for the rest of your life. But I've also there, there's a lot of people into building dioramas. And so I wonder if some of this might be targeted at folks like that, where you could take the set piece and almost build around it. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah. You very well could. And these are, it's hard for me because I'm an inbox collector, but there's certain things I will take out. And this I think would look better on a shelf with just the bases and the figures because the box, it looks like a three, three quarter inch box, what they've done before with mm. like the AT-ATs or the ATSDs and they have these big diorama scenes. But the problem is they take up so much space. And right. so you can't have this big box on a shelf because all you see is the box. You don't see as much of the, the inside of it. So I think you're right is that some of this might be a bit more for diorama building or for set displays. But I do like what they did here. But we've seen this a lot in the past of the Black Series. You go back to even the start. There's a Han Solo and Greedo that came out in the first couple waves of the original Orange Box Black Series. And they mm-hmm. repackaged that as a cantina scene when the Solo and Greedo sales weren't great. So they took those two characters, mashed them into a set piece similar to this with just the, the cantina. So this is something that we have seen in the past. And even you go to the second exclusive, the big black series exclusive, which was the Han Solo and Minoc figures. 
This Han Solo is going to be released as a Black Series 6-inch in a normal box. So they've taken this and they've just amped it up, put a little bit of Minoc in here, and gave it a nice kind of cardboard cutout. We saw this last year with the Thrawn exclusive as well. That Thrawn figure came out, we had his office in the exclusive. So these type of things I can appreciate because... What they're doing is they're adding a bit of detail. They're making it exclusive. It's a limited run. And at the price point, I am actually a bit disappointed in myself because I thought this was worth more, this Minox set. But it's only $35 US at the booth at San Diego Comic-Con. It's probably two, three times that on eBay right now. But mm. if I had known that, I may have pushed Rob <laughs> to try to grab this for me. I thought this was <laughs> upward of $50. Well, and and as I was thinking about it, it may just not be as iconic a thing. Yeah. And therefore, could they have sold it for $50? I think at $50, a lot of people will go, eh, Minox. I can yeah. wait till it comes down. I'll wait till it's on sale a year from now. So I think they did a good job in pricing this where it's at. And like you said, they put some extra effort into making this more unique. Mm -hmm. And as a limited run, I mean, they'll – at $35 US, they'll sell every one that oh, they put 100%. out. 100%. We've seen like the Clone Commander Gree, which is the Toys R Us exclusive in Canada here. That was going for $36 just at Toys R Us, just for that mm. normal Black Series package. So the exclusivity of this, I'm sure it has a SDCC stamp on it as well somewhere. Um, I may be looking for this on eBay because I like the way it looks. And what they're doing here is they're hitting that solo trend coming off the back end of the film, but giving it an OT vibe and just throwing in something a little different. A Minoc, yeah, sure, you're right. Maybe not as iconic as something like, I don't know, even you could have went with Bespin or something of that effect. But they're taking a figure that they're releasing later on down the road, putting some exclusive merchandise or, or accessories around it and giving it kind of a cool look so i can appreciate that so i may be looking for this one i tried to get the thrawn set last year and it's way too expensive right now on ebay on whatever these, these exclusives there if you don't get them out the gate you're probably not going to get them unless you're willing to pay a pretty penny for them but that's okay you know i got that after set so i'm pretty happy with that yeah yeah that i mean that was a great surprise i remember rob showing it to me probably before you knew that it was coming to you and oh, yeah. I, I just was like Oh my God, these guys are just going to, their jaws are going to drop. They're going to love that you did this for them. Oh, I am so appreciative. And he's, he's been a, he got me the X-Wing Luke, the black series from Celebration two years ago. Um, mm. So I'll rob quite a few beers and you, you can hold me to that, Rob. I will deliver <laughs> at some point in time. All right, man, let, let's talk a bit, a bit more of the black series itself. The actual reveals from the Hasbro panel and from the floor itself. Now, the big two reveals here, I think, come from kind of more of the general black series line, and that's Chopper and Ezra Bridger. Now, this almost fills out the rebel line with regards to the black series. We do have Hera, Kanan, Sabine as well as Thrawn from that series and getting Chopper and Ezra here to fill that out we're only missing Zeb from the from the original crew there I'm pretty stoked about these I can't wait to get my hands now are you a big Rebels guy like will you maybe jump in and grab a Chopper here or what are your thoughts on this you saw these on the floor how do they look I you know I I love a good droid so my my very first sideshow side six scale was R2 yes Nice. And he sits on a shelf in my living room right above the TV where you watch Star Wars all the time. And so looking at this chopper, it really has some a, a great amount of detail. It, it's got a lot of personality to it. Like it this is chopper. He's got his hands out waving. In the, you, 
this has the feels like I would pick that up even if I'm not a big black series I like I would I would own that um Ezra actually looks really good I'm, I'm kind of impressed with how good he looks so I I do I really did enjoy Rebels I I can appreciate whether you like every single bit of a TV show or a movie or whatever is almost immaterial I love what the show did oh yeah and most of how it did it but you could say the same thing about the Clone Wars, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yes. But uh, so so I really appreciate the Ezra. And, you know, if it came on sale and if it was, you know, I was like, yeah, I could I could, you know, put him next to Chopper and that would work. So, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm really happy with what they're doing. It, it, it makes sense to round out the Rebels line of black figure of black, black series. So then it's curious about when will they do Zeb? What are they yeah. waiting for? The series is over. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it would it would be a nice thing to see them just fill it out if for nothing else. Yeah. Those are probably my two biggest reveals for me personally. I wasn't really expecting this. You know, like you said, mm. with Ezra, the sculpt looks great. With the Rebels figures and what they've done in pre with previous iterations, I forgot to mention Hera there as well. Um, they do a like a more of a realistic face to them. They don't try to copy that kind of cartoon or CG animated style when they do the figure, they try to push it into that more realistic look so that it lines up with the rest of the black series. So they, they've clearly done that with Ezra's face in here and has what they're doing with their face sculpts as well has been incredible recently they're doing a lot more of this photorealism. And that's what we're going to see with these new archive figures that they'll be dropping is that they're taking and really improving the face sculpts on the human figures. You know, the droids, the aliens, the, the armored figures, they're quite easy to do. I say easy, I'll say easy in air quotes, but you're not looking and trying to replicate someone's face, someone's features. And that's really hard to do, I think, in an action figure. But they seem yeah, to have and, they've really nailed it. Yeah, and I, I think this whole fa photorealistic face sculpting thing is almost a new technology that they've been touting here recently, right? Oh, it is. And that's something that with this Black Series archives that they're doing. So this is a new set of Black Series or subset of Black Series, which is going to go back and re they're going to re-release some of the harder to find figures, kind of their greatest hits, if you will. So it'll be four to eight figures per year. But the big thing that they're doing is they're going back and re-sculpting a lot of the faces. So they're doing this photoreal deco on the human faces in the line. So the first four figures are going to be released in this archive subset is Luke Skywalker, the X-Wing pilot, the mm -hmm. Boba Fett, IG-88, and Boss. Now, I have all of these from the original run, but the Luke Skywalker, they're going to go back and re-sculpt his face, and they're going to continue to do this with the new reveals on that. And as we go into the Solo series as well, we look at we got Val, Tobias Beckett, so some more human figures that they're applying this technology. They're doing this across the board, both with the Marvel Legends and with the Star Wars Black series. So it's pretty exciting that we're going to get better and better figures. They're not just sitting on these action figures, pumping them out, just running with the status quo. They're continuing to improve. So I can really appreciate that from a collecting perspective. No, I, I'm with you. I, I've been sitting here eyeing the Val figure. Oh, yeah. And just look, looking at it going, you know, Tandy Newton has kind of a really subtly unique face. I just keep staring at this going, they really nailed it with her. Yeah, it, it looks incredible because Solo got a lot of love, I would think. Mm. Given it's, you know, I love the film. And the Black Series has really embraced this film. Now, they're coming out quite late in the game. But, you know, we got an announcement of Kronos, Rio Durant, an Imperial Patrol Trooper. And this goes along with figures that we previously knew about, Val, Tobias Beckett, 
and L3. So we're gonna get to fill out the majority of this solo wave within the next couple, I'd say six to eight months. And all these figures look absolutely fantastic. I'm super excited about this reel. Yeah, no, all this stuff, like real is amazing. Kronos, they're just, they're all amazing. And I mean, it kind of makes me question whether I should buy more Black Series at this point. <laughs> well, I've, I've pulled See, this numerous, is all your fault, Tim. I've pulled numerous people into this. Troy, Corey over at Tumbling Saver. I know I've, I've, they often refer to me as kind of like, uh, I, I don't want to say drug dealer of toys, but it's kind of like I give you one, you know, I'll get you into it. And now Troy's into the sideshow, into the hot toys and all that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's incredible what they've revealed here. And I'm super excited. Like every time I get a little bit discouraged by Black Series collecting, whether it's a price point or distribution thing, they do things like this and start revealing characters that we're going to eventually see. Like on top of the stuff that we've already talked about, you know, we got looks at General Veers, Aleia mm -hmm. in Bespin costume, a new Captain Phasma with the battle damage from the, the Last Jedi. We're getting another Han Solo, the one that's in the Minot case. And this also goes along with figures that we've yet to see at retail, which include Admiral Holdo, Dengar, uh, Lando Calrissian with the Skiffguard disguise, Zuckus. There's another Rebel officer out there. So, you know, we're looking at the, the yet to hit retail upwards of 15 to 20 Black Series action figures that we're going to see from now into 2019. So if there's any concern out there that this lull that we're going to see between Solo and Episode 9 is going to see a real downturn in what figures and how much and what we're going to be doing as far as collecting, there's no worry anymore. There is a ton of stuff just purely in the Black Series, not even to mention what we're going to get from the Vintage Collection as well as the continuing line of low articulation 3 3 quarter inch figures. So it's really exciting what they've done here and they're not finished announcing things for this year. Now, I I, I have to I have to pick your brain, Collector Master Tim. <laughs> I I saw the photo of Phasma and I, I went looking for it and there's also a battle damaged Phasma. Yep. Which looks phenomenal. Like if I had to choose between the two, I'd absolutely take the battle damaged one. But I Maybe it was a lighting in the picture, but in, in the photo I saw of Battle Damage Phasma, it looked like her blaster was more of a golden color. Have you seen this? Yeah. It really got me thinking. And so I actually went, like, it, it sent me down a rabbit hole, and I went as far as getting out my 4K Last Jedi disc going, let's go look at this in as much clarity as possible on screen. I wondered if you had noticed that or, or if there's a story behind it or if it's, like I said, maybe it's just the lighting and the photo that they took, but it, it jumped out to me as that's different. Interesting. No, I haven't noticed that. Now, I, I have seen this figure at retail and I didn't pull the trigger on it because it's a Toys R Us exclusive and they usually ride about $6 more than the regular Black Series. So the price point's quite high, but they usually do come down. I think this is going to land in the U.S. as a Disney Store exclusive because there's no more Toys R Us down there. But right. I'm going to have to go back and look at that because that's interesting if that, they've kind of messed up on the color of the blaster. I'll have to go check that out. I'm, I, I don't know if it's still in the store that I've seen it in. But, yeah, you, interesting. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, I mean, in in the cargo bay scene where there's fire all about, everything looks a little bit more yellow yeah. because of the fire and the lighting. So maybe it's a, ref I mean, to be fair, maybe it's a reflection upon that scene 
where things look more yellow because of the yellows and oranges in, in the lighting. But then you go back to scenes earlier in the movie and it all looks silver and chrome. Yeah, it should be silver and chrome, I would think. I'd have to go check that the, out. That's, the, that's, that's interesting. This is who I am. I pick nits and I see details that may or may not be there. I apologize. Details <laughs> are very important when it comes to these action figures. This is what they pride themselves on, right? Is the mm. details when it comes to Black Series. Yeah, you can excuse some of the things with the three and three quarter inch line. But with the Black Series, this is their collector's line. This is their hot toys, if you will, when it comes to Star Wars and Hasbro. It's it's just what it is. So, yeah, I'm going to definitely check that out. That was a good pick because uh, I didn't pay too much attention. When I see something over 35 bucks, I'm like, I'm not looking at this again until it's around the $29 mark mm-hmm. or so. Sure. But um, And just quickly here, just to round out some of the Hasbro stuff with regards to Star Wars is the vintage collection. Now, we've seen quite a few of these figures drop into stores. They are at that $14 Canadian price point, so they're quite high, high articulation. This is a pick-and-choose line for me, but some of the ones that were announced that I'm quite excited about, we're going to get an Amphi's Nest. We've got the Dr. Afra coming in the next wave, which I'm really excited about. The Death Troopers, they're doing a lot of troopers here. But the one interesting one here is that they've got a Darth Revan vintage collection figure coming out. So going back and reaching into the Legends universe. Now, the thing that piques my interest here about this is that we've seen this with comic books in the past. We've seen this with action figures is that they release something just to get people's minds going and then all of a sudden you see this this character pop up in some sort of media whether it's television or film am i reading too much into this or do you think we're going to see darth revan at some point whether it's in the new clone wars or in a film like am i reading too much into that you think i don't think you're off because i had that exact same thought as i looked down the list going okay canon 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 darth revan wait a minute yeah weird what are you trying to say now I, I think this is, from what I understand, kind of a, a sculpt from their 2007 release that they're just repacking. Yeah, okay. fine, fair enough. One of their more popular ones. But for Disney to bring it back in this way has implications. And you know all the fanboys are going to sit here and just start the theories going. So I I think you and I are thinking along the exact same way, which is this might mean something. Yeah, we've seen this in the past with Marvel Legends. We've seen, I've seen it in comic books as well where they start seeding this character, even a character as small as Nuke from Marvel Comics. They started seeding him in the comics. We got an action figure, and then all of a sudden he showed up in Jessica Jones, I think it was, so the Netflix series. So there's some precedence to them seeding this. Darth Maul is another character. We've seen a lot of in the last two years. Yeah, he's quite a popular character, and they've brought him back in a big way with regards to Rebels, comic book series, and all this. Re-releasing Son of Dathomir, it all seemed a bit strange, and we got our answer from that from Solo. He, he made his presence felt there briefly at that, but it seems like they have the this tendency to get people thinking about a certain character before they re-debut it in some sort of form, whether it's comic book or whatever. Yeah, just just leading you along with a bit of a tease so it's in your mind so that when they do the big reveal, maybe it's not as jarring. It may not, it's, it still shouldn't be expected because that's disappointing. But to see it like the mall reveal at the end of Solo, now you see her going, they're going to tell us more stories. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is fantastic. Whether it's in books, movies or comics or whatever. Oh, my God. Yes, please take my money. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. It's. it's 
I tell you, the, the potential there for all of this is, is absolutely incredible. Um, now, I'm just looking at our time here, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to switch things up on us here, so I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball into this. I'm going to move our Marvel Hasbro discussion until a little later on, because I want to use this as a nice segue into discussing some of the Marvel books and comics. You know, going off what we just discussed there about the potential for Legends characters, potential for revisiting the prequel trilogy, going into more depth with regards to the time span between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, the books, the comics is where they're really doing this. And I'm a huge fan of what Lucasfilm has done in the last little bit with regards to their content outside of the films. Now, I know you're a big book reader. You're a fan of all that. Do you jump into the comics as well? I have started to in the last year where I, I picked up the Darth Vader series, which is incredible. Oh, so good. Oh it's it's best comic goodness. book series on the shelves. Oh, uh, what was it? 18 with, with Tarkin? Oh. Not to spoil it, but <gasps> I think yeah. I read it three times. It was, it, it was, yeah, like, yeah, just that. And I've also then picked up into the whole Poe Dameron series, which is phenomenal. It's a, it's kind of weird seeing characters from the movies then drawn into comics because it's never one-to-one. It's, there's always artistic considerations. So it might have taken me an issue or two to kind of get used to the artwork of Poe Dameron himself. Yeah. But then you, you get comfortable with it and you – you kind of let that not distract you anymore and, and sink yourself into the story. And I think, I think I plowed through like all 25 wow. issues. It, certainly in a weekend, if not a day, I just, I bought them, they, they bundled them up into, you know, the volume. So you could buy, you know, six, six of them in time, a story yeah. arc at a time. Oh, well, okay. Well, let me buy the first two. Okay. You know, get through that real quick. Okay. Just one more. Just yeah. one more. Just one more. <laughs> Trades are addictive. Like oh, if you get into a story, I've done that this week on vacation. I've read probably about 10 trades. I've just been going to the Marvel digital mm. app and boom, trade, boom, trade, boom, trade, because they're, they're so consumable in that form is that you get this story over six issues and you're like, what? I need to know what's next. And you know what? At some point we need to have a discussion on a, on a different day on a different podcast about physical versus digital. Oh yes, we do. Cause I, I listened to TSW this this morning with uh, Rob Wade and Carlos, and they had a discussion about that from a film perspective. And I have a very specific right. set of rules that I go by with regards to comics and film. So I'd love to have a much broader conversation about that. We we may maybe this is a good roundtable oh. thing to do with Rob because put it there because the perspectives between the films and the comics and digital versus physical could be a very interesting discussion in in that whole matrix of possibilities. But anyway, back to comics. Now, you talked about the Podameron series, and it's beautiful segue in here. That is ending, actually. That was announced by Charles Soule at the panel that this standalone comic is going to come to a conclusion. Now, I'm not totally caught up on this, but we've seemingly passed through The Force Awakens, I believe, and into The Last Jedi, or at least getting close to that. Um, how do you feel about this announcement this series is ending as you've kind of jumped into it here? It doesn't surprise me in that you, you cannot have an infinite number of stories to tell about Poe Dameron. Yeah. Cer certainly here in 2018, right? Now, 
depending on how he ends up, you, you, you kind of have to imagine he's going to continue as a character past episode nine. I would think so, yeah. So there's opportunities beyond that. But with what they've done already, it, it really has been a great set of stories that develop him as a character up until this point. And, and maybe that was the point of what they're trying to do. The other interesting thing that really came out of this was Charles Soule talking about they only intended it, yes. I think, to be a 25-issue run, and it was so strong that they've they've extended it out now to essentially 32 with the second annual. So fantastic! This this is how fandom can affect the franchise. This is fantastic and yeah. proves that they listen to us in a very positive way. Yeah, I'm I'm going to consume this one in trade form. I believe I do have do the it. first maybe 10 issues or so, and I have a couple digitally. But I'm going to have to run at this one because now with the announcement that it is ending, I want to see the series through to its conclusion. I love Charles Sewell as a writer. He's done some brilliant stuff in the Star Wars universe with regards to comics. And he's, he's a great writer beyond that for some of the Marvel series that he's done as well. So I'm excited now that we have kind of an end stamp in this. I'm actually going to jump into this probably tomorrow morning because I'm excited to see where he's taken it and how he's going to end all of it. And given that, you know, one of the big announcements from that panel as well was this new slate of comics that are coming from Marvel in the Star Wars universe. Now, this is something that they've really shied away from in the past because they've gotten used to doing these six-issue miniseries, five-issue miniseries, where they pick a character, they tell a short-form story t- story that goes into a trade, packages that we've seen that from Chewie, Lando, Leia, Han. Everyone's kind of gotten their, their opportunity to expand. Even Mace Windu got a short series, Darth Maul. So we've seen a lot of it in this, this short-form storytelling. But now they're expanding out and doing what they're calling a 30-issue maxi-series. It's a big event that starts this December. And it's going to include comics that have, or tagged at least, with Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and Age of Resistance, which is very exciting because it looks like we're going to get 10 issues that look like they're going to kind of move around and focus on different characters set in the three different main timelines within the Star Wars universe, being basically the prequel, the original trilogy, and the new set of trilogies, the sequel trilogy here. I'm super excited about this because this allows us to run across a huge span of time, maybe kind of linking it up, bringing some context and continuity to all of it, as well as giving us focused storytelling on new characters, background characters. Like there's a lot of potential here. I'm pretty excited about this. You going to be jumping into this? You know, a lot of these comics, I kind of take a wait and see and Let's, you know, let somebody else read them and, and let me hear what the buzz is about and then let me see if I want to get into it. But just reading up on even the little that they've teased us with, with these, with this maxi series, I, I'm in day one. I, these look like they're going to be universe building around these characters. So getting more story and background about Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes. Yes. Oh, the moment it's available, I'm pressing buy now and Maul and there's an Obi-Wan that's announced. So, you know, they, I think they, they've announced the characters at least for the age of Republic series. And I want, I want to read everyone now. Now would be fine. Yes, please. Yeah. Bring it (laughs) on. And you know, for anyone that's out there saying that Disney or Lucasfilm is currently ignoring the prequels, man, did they get a huge slap in the face this week? Because not only did we get the announcement of these comic series, that's going to focus on you know, the Age of Republic, those ones are revealed. We'll see what comes out for Rebellion and Resistance eras. But the books that were released as well, like we're getting a book 
by one of the masters, one of the great writers mm. of our time in Star Wars, in Claudia Gray. We did a book focusing on Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, this story is kind of in the lead up to Phantom Menace. We're going to see that master-apprentice relationship developed by Claudia Gray. She's done books like Lost Stars, Bloodlines, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Ah, this, this anything she does, I'm in day one. Now I'm going to get to see her write Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Holy moly. Like, this, this is incredible. Oh, and, and the opportunities to tie this into stories, even tangentially, that we've already heard. So I, I recently fl- finished the Plagueis novel, for example, which, while technically not canon, there's no reason it can't be either. It exactly. doesn't really yeah. contradict anything. So the, doing something like Master and Apprentice could tie into that story that's already been told and and just like again i love universe building so if you we know that we know that palpatine encountered qui-gon early on in his training under plagueis could we hear some of that story or or you know in the 10 years leading up when him and plagueis were planning the whole sith revenge thing and you know just one little phrase that ties back into that it just, you know, it freaks people out and they go crazy for this stuff. And so I'm really, even if she doesn't do that, I still want to read this because huge Obi-Wan fan here. So there's, it's almost like she can do no wrong with this. She can. And as a writer, I don't think she can do no wrong. Like, yeah. It, every one of her Star Wars books has been golden. Just it, absolutely brilliant. And we're not going to wait too, too long to get this. This does drop February 26, 2019. So just after the Christmas holidays. So it's going to fill again some of that void that we're going to have not having a Star Wars film at the end of December. We're going to get some Claudia Gray writing in here. And we're going to talk or get to read about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan in Star Wars Master and Apprentice. And another book that was announced that's got me really excited comes from E.K. Johnson. Now, she wrote Star Wars Ahsoka, which I absolutely loved. And now with the hashtag or with Clone Wars saved, with Clone Wars coming back, that 12-issue season 7 that's going to tie into this book, we got E.K. Johnson revisiting a great character in Padme and writing a book titled Star Wars Queen's Shadow. Now, this is going to focus on her transition from Queen of Naboo to the Senate. And I, you know, I've always loved the political atmosphere that Lucas Mm. was able to create around the prequel trilogy. Sometimes it gets beat up for that, but I've always been quite intrigued by star Wars politics. And I'm hoping that we get a lot more of this in this Padme book because bloodlines had a lot of that. And I freaking love that, that book from Claudia Gray. And I want more of that kind of the seeds of that, or at least the essence of that to be put into this book of, of Padme. No, you're, dude, you're absolutely right in that the politics are so ingrained within the story. Even if you think politics are boring, it is why the Republic fell. Yeah. And it is the thing that Plagueis and Palpatine used and manipulated to gain power. It is, it is really kind of such a core of that universe that without understanding it, you're not getting the big picture. So I love I love the Ahsoka novel. It was really fantastic. What was interesting to me was I kind of found out after the fact that it was classified as a young reader yep. novel, but it was, it was deep and it had kind of some mature themes in it in a subtle kind of way that I was, so I was a little surprised that, wait, this was supposed to be for kids. Yeah. It's same but, with all stars was the same way. It was a young. Yeah. Readers. So 
it's it's really fascinating how some of these novels can be incredibly deep, even if they look like they're like we're not the target demographic for it. And they all do so much to build background of characters of the universe of the Senate of the Republic and all this stuff. So so hearing, I think, what could be a really interesting story about how she transitions from queen to senator there's oh man there's so much potential here for how it, it's going to be a fantastic novel whatever it is and and then tying it in with with Corson's political landscape as they say potentially lots of um tie-ins to other storylines oh, yeah. here it's, it, it, it's going to be fantastic you could do everything there's this huge potential to have big cameos in this that we've seen in the past even with Lost Stars and that, with Bloodlines, you get big cameos in these, and that's what I'm looking forward to in this book as well, as well as getting a nice focus story on Padme. You know, I always felt, and I reviewed the episode two on the TSW Roundtable with Rob Cast a couple of months ago, and I said, you know, Padme's gotten short-shipped. You know, this is an opportunity here for them to rectify some of that and give her some spotlight and, and kind of grow that character a bit more, because I like what I've seen even in the, the Force of Destiny stuff with Padme. So I'm, I'm really excited about this book and kind of going off of this is the next big kind of coffee table book that we're going to see is Star Wars Women of the Galaxy. So this is going to profile 75 women of the Star Wars universe and it's going to be written and the art done by this massive cast of hugely talented women. It's going to be forwarded by Kathleen Kennedy, and it drops on October 30th, 2018. So again, just a couple months down the road. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars coffee table books. There's something I like to get out. I like to read, flip through, and I'm just having a moment to myself, whether it's Sunday morning, whatever. I'm sitting in the nerd room. I just want something to kind of just relax with. This year is kind of a day one buy for me, and it's especially a day one buy for me because I want my daughter to see these women to see the presence of women in the Star Wars universe to give her that avenue in. I'm always kind of giving her a little shove towards it. You know, I'm a bit biased. I love the universe and I want her to have that experience. I want to share that with her. This is another great way for her to recognize what and how much and how important women are in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. I mean, as, as I read about this, it kind of struck me that this is kind of another version of what they did with the book called from a certain point of view. Yes. You get a lot of people to contribute a little stuff and create this wonderful piece of art, whether it's art or writing or literature, whatever. And I, I'm really looking forward to this. This is, this is, and I love art. Like, to be honest, most of what I picked up at San Diego Comic-Con was art, not figures. I mean, I got a lot of Funkos, don't get me wrong. But um, the the art was what I ended up focusing on this year from a lot of independent artists. And so I'm, in, you know, I, I'm getting all the art of books from the movies. And these coffee table books kind of make me wish I still had an old fashioned coffee table. But they all sit on my media center, to be yeah. honest, so that they're right there as I'm as I'm watching a movie. I can go look something up if I have friends over. Oh, here, let me show you the story behind that weapon. Boom. So yeah, these, these, these little things are really incredibly important in the big picture of things. Yeah. And they have a way of composing these. I'm not sure exactly who's doing it, but Lucasfilm, whether they're directing it or not, they have a way of putting together these big art books and in a, in a very special way, in a very engaging way. And so I can't wait to see what this book is all about. It's, it's very exciting what they've announced over the last week or so with regards to comics and books. Now, I don't think I mentioned, I think that that Padaway, or sorry, 
Star Wars Queen Shadow, the Padme story, does come out March 5th, 2019. So not too long after we get the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan book. But another thing that they did, and this I'm going to use as kind of as a wrap-up here because I'm looking at a time. I think I'm going to push some of the, the Marvel stuff. So our discussion next week in the Nerd Room for episode 130, we'll talk a bit more about the Marvel Legends stuff because I want to finish off here by talking about the way that Lucasfilm is really providing an avenue again in for young people into the universe because you look at the comic books you know they've paired up with IWD again to give us this Tales of Vader Castle these young reader comics five issue miniseries so this is coming out in October so again it's, it's geared a bit more the art and the style of writing towards a younger generation looking at some of the books here Star Wars Pirates Price so again looking at characters like Han and Chewie meeting up with Hondo Anaka from Rebels which is brilliant these Choose Your Own Destinies books you know are you scared Darth Vader again going back to toddlers I have all the toddler books my daughter loves them so again it's it's a way in helping people learn or children learn about numbers and letters and all that and kind of this other book here Star Wars Search Your Feeling designed to help kids identify their emotions so it's really cool that I get to experience a lot of this with my daughter using Star Wars as kind of that foundation to build up here and you know it's a shared passion and also we're learning at the same time so I, I really appreciate what Lucas did the film is doing and the effort they're putting into making stores accessible for every age no I'm I'm with you just last weekend I had some good friends stay with me for the weekend and they had two little girls who one of them has become a big Star Wars fan as well so everything you said just kind of makes me think back to, you know, things she was doing and, and she loved to sit down and, and read my books and look at things and want to watch the movies. And she wore a Star Wars T-shirt. And so, you you know, you again, you're kind of spot on with all that is it's nice to see them ultimately providing content content for every generation here, including the young ones as they because they are associating with and becoming fans at an earlier and earlier age. And, and so I love that they're, they are providing those folks content. Yeah, my, my daughter's three and a half, and she can name every original trilogy character by sight. It's, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And when she found out that Leia was Princess Leia, that was, like, mind-blowing to her. Like, that was immediately, she was like, she's a princess in Star Wars? I'm in. Like, so that's why I love these mm. books. And, like, like you said, every generation to toddler, like to so, like to children that aren't yep. even speaking, that are just starting to interact and, and understand. You know, it's not so much about Star Wars at that point. It's about the learning aspect of it. But mm -hmm. it's cool that I get to read Star Wars to my kids and learn with them as well. So I really, really, really appreciate all that that, they, that they've done there. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks in Star Wars. Yeah, we didn't get quite to the Marvel stuff the way that we had originally planned, but we're going to push that because we're pushing up here on an hour and a half. And I don't want to keep you guys too much longer here on the podcast, but I hope that gives you at least some perception about what's gone on in Star Wars, more or less, within the last couple of weeks and some perspective from Steve. You know, it's been brilliant hearing your opinions of what the floor was like preview night and your opinions on some of this stuff that you know, you're coming from a bit of the periphery. So I really appreciate you, Steve, coming onto the podcast, giving us some of those ideas and kind of giving us that, that closer look at San Diego Comic-Con. Dude, I'm here for you anytime. And I'm already looking forward to next year when it happens. And if I get the opportunity to purchase an extra ticket, we may have to talk. Yes, we will. Because we are going to hopefully meet up at 
celebration next year. Yes. That's the next big one. And I'm hoping we get a lot of Commonwealthers out there participating in that. We can do some combined podcasts. But Steve, this isn't the last time we're going to be doing a podcast together because I can guarantee you, you're going to be back in the nerd room within the not too distant future because I've had an absolute blast here, man. Talking Star Wars, talking collecting, talking books and comics. I'm so glad that you have me and and I've got ideas for having you come on my show at some point as well so absolutely man anytime wait now as we wrap up here steve where can everyone find you on the internet so we own the internet it is ours Uh, we just lease it back to everybody actually (laughs) but primarily you can find our group both saber combat group and our podcast at san diego sabers.net do not go to com it will take you to a hockey team (laughs) lots of love for the hockey team but not us um we're on facebook Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, apparently, and probably some other things I don't know about because I don't manage them. <laughs> but yeah, San Diego Sabres.net. We put out a podcast weekly. So, you know, check us out if you want to hear some crazy, weird lightsaber guys fighting each other. Now, it's absolutely brilliant stuff. It's a high recommend for me. Make sure to go check out San Diego Sabres radio podcast. It's, it's like I said, appointment listening every single Monday when it drops. I'm there. You can also find everything from San Diego Sabres also on StarWarsCommonwealth.com. They have their nice little page there. Everything's uploaded there. You get to see even if you want a player in there. It's all embedded on that website as well. Now, if you want to be a part of this show, The Nerd Room, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and you can grab us on Twitter as well. Our handles are at the end of the episode. That includes myself, Troy, and Sanjay. And you can find everything we do on thenerdroom.net as well, starwarscommonwealth.com. Again, Steve, I've had a blast. It's been a ton of fun. I can't wait to have you on again. I really appreciate you jumping in here and filling in for the boys as they're off on their vacations here we try to spread some of this out coming into next week's show episode 130 we're going to be back in the nerd room normal format we're going to be breaking down some of this marvel stuff that we didn't quite get to as well as addressing some of the nerd news from around the world that we've kind of skipped on in lieu of san diego comic-con all the big releases coming from there and i guess with that being said steve again thank you for coming on and coming into the nerd room for a short period of time but we will have you back like i said in the not too distant future i really appreciate it. it's great being here with you guys i love your nerd room it's amazing ah really appreciate that man warms the heart all right guys until next week for the nerd room i'm tim i'm steve ah oh, man <laughs> and thank you for entering <laughs> the nerd room This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabres. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps to a larger world.